Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10-season show. Today, we're talking about Season 6, Episode 11, Offensive Interference. Mary, what happened this week? Since it's homecoming, Steve organizes a group of students and assistant Professor Colin to protect their school mascot, Cornelius J. Condor, or Corny. Students from SCU want to steal him in retaliation for that time the gang took their bear. I don't have a lot to say about this epi- this storyline other than Steve's sleeveless sweatshirt really got me. <laughs> well, of course it did. Literally, he came on the screen in his little sweatshirt and Nate goes, that guy's a dick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I wish John had been home at that point so I could be like, this is what he wears, John. Mm-hmm. Model yourself. It's just so funny that they're like, oh, yeah, let's name him Cornelius and shorten it to Corny because that accurately describes this story, like, plot line for this episode. Corny. I mean, honestly, as soon as I saw Homecoming, like, all everywhere, I was like, oh, it's this again. Yeah. And I was, like, kind of excited. I'm like, oh, they're going to do great because, like, the bear heist was kind of fun, you know, because it was, like, an actual heist. And all of that, so I'm like, cool, like, let's up the ante here. But ante well, was not upped. <laughs> the thing with this episode versus last year's Homecoming is it all happens in off-screensville. Mm-hmm. Like, Kelly tells Colin that he should be involved because he's part of CU now. And then he, like, commissions his class to make a copy of the Condor off-screen. They do right. the swap off-screen. It gets – the fake gets stolen off-screen. So the only on-screen thing we get are, like, Steve announcing what he's doing, Colin showing the real condor in his fridge, which, like, that thing takes up a lot of space. I don't ever have anything in my fridge, and I could not finish that. I couldn't fit it in mine. Well, and that's even saying, like, he probably took out shelving, you know? (laughs) He was like, I guess I'm just not eating this week. Yeah. Well, and, like... Two, Colin's not even really part, like, he's part of faculty in this regard. Right? Like, it, it's like students hanging out with teachers. It's just always going to feel weird to me. Mm-hmm. Like, totally different scenario, but I remember in high school when we worked at Build-A-Bear, I was working one Saturday and a kid's party came in and one of the parents was my history teacher Mm. And he legitimately hid behind displays to avoid talking to me because he was like, students and teachers don't talk. It's weird. That's hilarious. I mean, that immediately makes me think of Mean Girls when they see <laughs> oh, yeah. Tina Fey at the that skincare store or whatever. And and Janice Ian's like, it's like looking, it's like watching a dog walk on its hind legs <laughs> <laughs> when you see a teacher in the wild. It really is. And like I mean, he's just an assistant professor. It's brand new. Like, he's their age. It's totally different. But, like, yeah, there's that innate part of me that's, like, I've never had a teacher that was, like, this close in age to me. And it would be weird to me that he's just, like, hanging out with the Keg brothers. Right. I know. Super weird. And also different from last season is that we have a different kind of investment in Homecoming because – 
like they focus a little bit on the the mascot situation, like you said, in off Screensville, but the other piece is that we actually are connected to the football game mm-hmm. because of Joe, and we know that Joe is the quarterback. So it's like we have a little bit different of an investment. So it's almost like they have to split time for different reasons for homecoming. So it just kind of this this bit with the mascot just comes off a little like hokey. Yeah, it I really feels like a time filler to me. Yeah, for sure. And the only other thing that I really want to say about this is the idea that Steve puts the fake in the Walsh house knowing the house will get broken into so that they can steal the condor is like very uncomfortable for me. Like if I was living in that house and he was like, just so you know, someone will be breaking into this house. I'd be like, then I'm not living here anymore. Right. Like the only thing I could think of is like if instead they put him in the garage and like left the garage door open. You know, that, like, but but having somebody there to kind of, like, keep an eye out that they only yeah. take the condor. I don't know. But, yeah, it is, like, why would you put it in someone's house? Like, put it in the peach pit or something. Right? Yeah. Stick it in the pee pad, the peach pit, a- anywhere else. But, like, yeah, putting it in someone's house, knowing it's going to get broken into, to the point that you hook up a live feed to, like, record <laughs> when it gets stolen. I was like, this is uncomfortable. Like, what if these people came in and wanted vengeance for being literally poisoned last year? Mm, mm-hmm. Just saying. You should not leave your condor in the foyer. Foyer. It's pronounced foyer. <laughs> Which, like, by the way, I feel like I have totally had this conversation. I don't remember if it was on the pod or just off in real life. But I've definitely had this conversation. Yeah, for sure. Well, and the fact that Claire says it is. Of course she did. Yeah. And I feel like her correcting him probably like kind of turned Steve on a little bit. Oh, for sure. He totally has like a, I don't know, like authoritative kink or whatever. Yeah. No, he likes when Claire is mean to him. Mm -hmm. It's his thing. But yeah, it's like literally that's all that happens. Weirdly, Steve talks to like about 20 students in the quad or wherever they are in two mm-hmm. different times of this episode, telling them what they're going to do and then telling them what they did. So all off screen. Yeah. It's like, cool, good times. And then he like thanks specific people, but then also says there's also people that didn't do anything. So I'm not going <laughs> to give them a special shout out. Like, then why mention them at all? <laughs> Steve's just a narrator this episode. He is, and an unreliable one at that. <laughs> Absolutely. And yeah, that's uh, Corny the Condor not being stolen. Yep. Mary, what else happened this week? Um, just one little last thing about that whole storyline. Why did they have him in front of a green screen banner? <laughs> I noticed that too, and it was so bad. It was horrible. Like, it looked really, really bad. Like, they would show him, like, from the other angle. Like, you'd see his shoulder and then him talking to the crowd, and I'm like, that looks natural. And then they switch back to, like, just this graphic of a condor behind him, and it just – he's so fuzzy. He was so fuzzy. 
And I feel like green screen technology was probably still fairly new at that point, maybe. Like, well, and just like the capabilities of the cameras and things yeah. like that. Like, it's like green screen was definitely a thing. It just wasn't. I mean, we even see some angles for the cameras that they use where we have when we have the like over the shoulder um, shots for one person, it's like perfectly clear. And then you flip to the next person and it's blurry. Mm -hmm. Like, what are you focusing on? Like, get your white balance. Come on. (laughs) I just want to know, like, how much it costs to use that effect versus how much it would have cost to buy a banner. (laughs) right oh my god yeah i wonder how much of it is like there's just no time we'll just do this it'll be fine that's a good point too but yeah anyway (laughs) susan tries to help brandon cope with the fact that dylan really left and so does kelly and i think susan would agree that i don't like where that's going (laughs) i i don't like it either i don't either because i think we've explicitly stated for the last several episodes, how much we like Susan, and not just how much we like Susan, how much we like Susan for Brandon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, also, Brandon and Kelly, like, Kelly with people, I'm starting to realize, feels like a toxic relationship to me, mm-hmm. unless she dates outside the group. Like, I don't really have anything for Colin at this point, but, like, I'm not sitting here hoping they break up. Right, because, like, from what we've seen from them is Kelly has been very open about Mm. her past with Colin, enough to know, like, what went on with Dylan and all that kind of stuff. If anything, Colin's been the one that was shady because of his sugar mama and whatnot, but it seems like they've moved past that because he swept with an outside Halloween broom. So, (laughs) yeah, but you're right. It's like Kelly just... She kind of goes to each person and has this look about her where you're like, and you can see her wheels turning in her head. It's like she's thinking like, mm, how can I insert myself here and cause, like, she's like a pot stirrer at this point. Well, yeah, it seems like, you know, when Dylan announced that they were engaged and she was like, how could you not think about me when you got engaged kind of a thing? Like, it seems like there is this thing happening where Dylan has asked Brandon to close up his house. Brandon is trying to deal with it. And, like, he is struggling. Like, Mm -hmm. we see him yelling at Steve about leaving messes in the house. And, like, it's very clearly, yes, they're leaving messes, but he's also dealing with this other thing. Mm -hmm. And it kind of, like, in that scene in the uh, student center where Brandon, like, storms off and then Kelly just, like, watches him leave, like Mm – it felt like she was plotting. Exactly. Like, wheels are turning. She's trying to think, like, what can I do next? It didn't come off as a, oh, Brandon needs help. I am uniquely qualified to help him. Mm-hmm. It was like, I want to be involved in this because I deserve to be involved in this. And yeah. I'm going to do it. Because, like, yeah, Brandon's just been going to the house, getting the mail, checking messages, like, doing normal, like, house-sitting stuff because he doesn't really understand what's happening. Like, Dylan just left, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And, you know, Susan's trying in her way. You know, she says, like, I have to go to the staff meeting, but you can stay here if you want. Also, do you know what could make you feel better if you, like, write the column that's due this week? 
<laughs> yeah. Like, it, it was kind of cute where it was, like, editor girlfriend, but also editor, like, just editor. Because, she can't help herself. Yeah, she can't help herself, and she still has a job due. But I actually genuinely think that that might help because it gets his mind off of it. Or he can write about it, which she ends up doing. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. We've seen Brandon in the past write articles about what's happening in his life and they help Mm -hmm. him process his feelings. Exactly. Because that's the thing is he's not really being very vocal about how he's feeling. And and usually Brandon's actually pretty good about stating how he feels and kind of talking to people. But he's kind of shutting down a little bit because he's just very sad. I mean, so much so, like we said, he's like missing, you know, spending time in the newspaper room and not writing his column and not participating in homecoming stuff and all of that. And so the fact that he's able to channel that into an article for the week or whatever is a good thing given the fact that he's not really opening up to anybody. Yeah. Because, you know, the other side of that coin is when he goes to the house, the second time we see him go to the house in this episode is when Kelly walks in and just like brought him food and then they end up playing Rock'em Sock'em Robots or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which like is cute but doesn't help you process your feelings. And then when your girlfriend walks in and you and your ex-girlfriend that you proposed to – are alone in a house playing games when she didn't expect to see Kelly, it becomes a thing. Yeah, and you can totally understand the jealousy. Like, if Susan knows anything about their history, like, Brandon wanted to marry her. So, yeah, it's, like, totally valid for Susan to be a little bit territorial, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, so much so that as soon as Kelly leaves, she, like, jumps his bones. She's, like, marking her territory. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Absolutely that's what was happening. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, uh, what was the episode with the dinner party we never saw when Susan was very much like, your ex-girlfriend is a hot model who showed up in a cute red dress. Like, I feel feelings. Exactly. And I think what must have happened and what I'm hoping happened, and I'm just manifesting it, is that after they had sex, it's like they had a moment to talk, right? Mm -hmm. Like, maybe they connected that way, too, because – Basically, the final scene we see with Brandon and Susan is when he's listening to the game, um, which I have to point out that they said the Pac-10 game. And do you remember when the Pac-12 was the Pac-10? <laughs> yeah, I was literally – I was like, oh, remember when the Big Ten was the Big 12 and the Pac-10 – Pac-12 was the Pac-10? And- mm-hmm. And also, like, if CU is in the Pac-10, who's not? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway – so Brandon's listening to the game on the radio. Susan walks up, asks him for his column, asks him what the lead is. And Brandon is obviously still down in the dumps. You know, obviously, like, that's not just going to go away. He says friendship sucks, which is true. Like, that's totally valid. Like, it's, I mean, friendship is amazing. But when your friend leaves, like, that really, really sucks. Yeah. Um, And, you know, Dylan, or Dylan, he's writing about Dylan. And Susan points it out. And then she's really sweet about it. And says that he should leave or save Dylan a copy in the event he comes back, basically. I love that. And I really hope whenever Dylan comes back that, like, the props department did save one. Oh, my gosh. That would be amazing. Because, like, I feel like that is something that props departments do now is they save literally everything just in Mm -hmm. case. So, Mm -hmm. like, you know, Parks and Rec can do a throwback in season seven from season one. Right. I also really love his leads. 
like the way he describes his leads. This one was Friendship Sucks. The original Rose Bowl one was I Love a Parade. Yeah. I just, it tickles me. I have no idea how newspapers work, but that makes me laugh. That's just Brandon's process. He has to like get the first thing that comes to mind out and then he'll like, you know, go from there. Yeah. And so kind of the last thing, the very last thing that happens with Brandon and Kelly and Susan and by proxy Colin is at the end of the episode, they're all at the peach pit and like everyone's there. It's packed. Nat is giving 35% off the menu because they scored 35 points in the second half. Mm-hmm. I was very concerned up until this point that Nat wasn't in the episode. I was like, we haven't seen him once. And then he shows <laughs> up for one minute. He's providing value. But Brandon says that for Thanksgiving, they're going to have Thanksgiving at the Walsh house. Everyone's invited. It's going to be a whole Friendsgiving. And we find out that Colin and Susan will both be in New York. And Kelly is totally going to go to Walsh Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And you can just see the wheels turning. I'm just going to randomly throw out that, like, we are very threatened by Kelly right now. What if we should be threatened by Colin and Susan? So I actually did think about that, but I was like, I just don't think Susan would do it. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. We, I mean, proven that Colin would do it, proven that Kelly would do it, proven that Brandon would do it. Mm-hmm. I don't think Susan would. That's fair. She's just such a little sweetheart, and she just wants this relationship. I love her. <laughs> Me too. I, I guess that means Thanksgiving is coming up really soon. Yeah, it must be. Um, I mean, this episode aired November 15th, 1995, so we have given, you know, how Thanksgiving's fall one or two weeks until Thanksgiving. Mary? What else happened this week? Ray, still a dick, decides to press charges on Joe for tackling him to protect Donna on Halloween, getting Joe suspended from playing the homecoming game. Donna decides to help Joe however she can, promising to testify as a witness to the incident in court. But before that can happen, she has to come clean to her parents about how Ray treated her while they were dating. Luckily, Felice also comes clean about why she lied about being a Rose Court contestant, And while that reason was extremely predictable, it was kind of nice to see a genuinely wholesome Martin family moment. Also, Donna is officially a Rose Princess. So, I mean, yes, everything in this storyline is so predictable. Mm -hmm. But when, like, it was checking off the list of all the things we said were going to happen, happen, I was like, oh, my God, are we good at this? (laughs) Well, and just because something's predictable doesn't always mean it's bad, right? Like, Mm -hmm. we usually talk about how sometimes we just like to see things play out in a normal way, Mm -hmm. right? And how sometimes that can be so comforting to not necessarily have a wrench thrown in every single thing or there be this huge plot twist or, you know, in terms of relationships, be a will they, won't they to a breakup, get back together, breakup, get back together. So the fact that kind of all of these chips fell as they did is actually kind of comforting because you actually see, like Mary said, genuine family moments, genuine honesty. Like it's just good stuff. So hmm. I'm cool with it being predictable. I'm cool with it. And I'm also like, 
despite it being predictable up to this moment, I am actually like very stressed about how Joe's hearing is going to go. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Because that's kind of how we start. Like Donna's kind of obsessively calling Joe because he has, they just haven't talked since the, um, the whatever it was, where did they go? They were at something. Remember that we like saw them all couple off. Yes. Uh, it was earthquake weather. That's right? what it was. Yes. Since then, like she hasn't really talked to him and she imagines like he's avoiding her and Claire's like, well, no, it's homecoming week. He's probably just real busy trying to get ready for the game and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So she eventually gets him on the phone or at least gets Tiny and AK, who we meet some other football players. And Tiny mm-hmm. was the one, if you guys recall, eating all of that food that one time um and ak is new so ak kind of reveals like no joe can't come to the phone right now because he's chatting with the police because someone like he beat on someone on halloween and they're pressing charges yeah and when donna gets off the phone she tells claire she's like oh my god it's ray he's doing this mm-hmm. which yeah we unfortunately predicted and it turns out that Ray wants to charge Joe with battery. Mm-hmm. And because of this, like a whole bunch of other stuff comes out. The football coach ends up finding out that Joe missed curfew on Halloween. And because of all of this stuff together, he's suspended from the homecoming game. Which like that makes Donna and Joe forbidden love now. <laughs> and then it gets like – more forbiddener because the team has also turned against Donna. Yes. And it's very much like Donna's the problem. So Donna needs to stay away. Like literally AK is like, stay away. <laughs> yeah. Cue me over on my couch being like, no, <laughs> be together. You just don't understand what happened. Well, and that's like the first little glimpse of, okay, did Joe tell them what happened or did they just see joe talking to the police and just assume like oh this is her fault because she kept him out yeah and then they got in a fight yeah exactly which you know props to joe for not telling her story to anybody because that's not his story to tell exactly for sure like i actually kind of really love that we find out that outside of the friends that we've seen donna tell Mm -hmm. she hasn't told anybody nobody knows Mm-hmm. Which, you know, speaking of Donna, it's time to announce the royal court for the Rose Parade. And Donna's parents are there. I was very surprised to see them in the crowd just because of all the drama. Like, I would think that even though Dr. Martin had said, like, you have to tell her what happened, I'm still surprised that they actually, like, showed up and, and showed face. Right? Like, this was actually a really cute family episode because, Mm -hmm. you know, despite all of this stress that Felice feels about her being in the Rose Court, she's still showing up and supporting her. And as we find out later from Ray, you can literally just call and find out all of the events on the schedule. I'm like, what is this, the movie theater where you're just calling for what time your movie, like, shows? Like, what is this? (laughs) I I really hope there's a movie phone version of the Rose Parade. (laughs) Like... Why is this just public knowledge? Right? Like, I mean, these girls are not 
like young, but you don't really need to be putting on blast like what time a bunch of teenage girls are going to be in a place outside of like where they normally are. Yeah, and I'm not saying it has to be necessarily like invite only, but like kind of like because honestly, who would want to go to this outside of family and like maybe close friends? Stalkers. Exactly. Yeah. But Kelly and Claire are there. And then there's like some weird comment about how Kelly is late because of the freeway. It it always makes me laugh when they just like throw little stuff in like that where they were like, I'm late because of the freeway. Like, <laughs> no, just sit down. I don't care. But like at the same time, it like humanizes them, right? It like normalizes the fact that like they're in LA and you know, I don't know. Sometimes I like it, but I get what you're saying. It's like we didn't need to waste two seconds on this. Yeah, like I just feel like if it wasn't going to come up at any other point, yeah, Kelly and Claire should have just been there and been like, oh, my God, I can't believe Felice is here. Yeah, which they do talk about. They're like – Yeah. And, and Claire thinks that she's maybe now being supportive and Kelly is like, well, no, she's, she's basically just going to gloat if Donna loses. Which then like Donna is picked last out of the princesses. Mm-hmm. And, like, part of me knew she was going to make it, and then part of me was like, oh, my God, please make it. I know. But what's also cute is her friend, who we learn her name, Lisa Dixon, her mm-hmm. friend makes it, too. So they, I guess, have been kind of, like, going through this whole thing together, and they're both on the court. I, kn- I love her little friend. I just love <laughs> that Donna goes everywhere and makes friends. Like, yeah. I think that's what's most jarring about the football guys not liking her. Mm-hmm. So it's like, but everyone loves her. That's her thing. <laughs> exactly. And because she has made it, Dr. Martin like leans over to Felice and is like, you really have to tell her what happened. Yep. And like we predicted, Felice got pregnant out of wedlock, had to immediately get married to hide it so that everyone thought they just like got pregnant immediately. Mm-hmm. And had to drop out of the Rose Court because you can't be married and be in the Rose Court. Which I thought that was a weird rule, but I guess that makes sense. I Yeah, it seems pretty arbitrary. And Donna was even like, that was 26 years ago. Those rules are dumb. Yeah. But then she was like, also, where's the kid? <laughs> Which, valid point. Because, yep. like, yeah, like we had talked about last episode, 26 years is older than Donna. So, like, mm-hmm. what happened? And Felice says that she has a miscarriage. I'm not sure I believe her quite yet. Yeah, the jury is still out on this one. Like, I don't – I guess I won't be surprised either way. Like, if we do learn she didn't have a miscarriage, she actually had the baby and just abandoned it or gave it up for adoption, whatever, Mm -hmm. wouldn't be surprised. But also wouldn't be surprised if, yeah, she just had a miscarriage. Um, I feel like they're both, like, really dramatic options plot-wise. Mm-hmm. But as, like, a teen soap, how can you turn down the possibility of having an estranged sibling running around out there? And also, we already know Felice loves to lie. True. Yeah. No. So my theory now is that they wrote in this miscarriage because they had already plotted out the season and, like, just didn't have time to throw in a new character. Mm-hmm. But that maybe, like, season seven season eight we leave it open to pick it back up again like yeah I think that's what keeps happening with these like you know Dylan leaving versus being murdered leaves the opening for him to come back 
For police sure. saying that she had a miscarriage leaves the opening to maybe bring that character back. Man, that's why I got, just speaking of that, that's why I get so mad, and I don't watch it anymore, but I got so mad at Grey's Anatomy because they would just <laughs> kill off these characters, and I'm like, no, just pull a Christina Yang and let them, like, go do their dream job or something. Like, why did you have to have a plane crash and, like, half of the people live, but two of the fan favorites die? Because they love it when you cry. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but like, This Is Us makes me cry every damn week and no one dies except for one person. Yeah, I feel like, especially the shit that I write, like I'm much more (laughs) about inflicting emotional pain on characters rather than like physical or like just killing them. Yeah, it's just like, I don't know, unless there was a really bad situation with like the actors or something, that I get, but if it's like, they're just moving on to another show. Don't kill them. Just let them move on. Let them move. Let them get a better job opportunity. Let them fall in love with somebody and I don't know, just like pull an Andrea. Like move to London. Yes, pull a Brenda. Like even with Shannon Doherty, they didn't kill her. Now, I I feel like this leaves it open. And this show like I feel like a miscarriage is like heavy enough for the show and I do really appreciate how well like Donna receives this news and how she and Felice handle this conversation. Like I just, I love it. And Donna says, I love you too. Oh, finally we get an, I love you too. I wrote it down specifically. I was like, I have just been craving that too. (laughs) Just like throw it in there. I will say though, like even though Felice was like admitting what happened and like, the reason it was such a big deal is not that she got pregnant at 19 and had a miscarriage. It's that she had sex before she was married to Dr. Martin and she's been preaching to Donna that you cannot have sex before marriage. Obviously, now we know why. That is probably not really based on religion, but it's more based in the fact that she got pregnant and had a miscarriage. But she ends up saying, you don't think I'm a hypocrite? And Donna's like, no, I don't. And I'm like, girl, I do. I'm still right? mad. Why are you not mad? You're this is like a Jane the Virgin thing. Like your entire life you've basically been saying you're going to go to hell if you have sex before marriage. But now you learn your mother did and she's just like you don't think I'm a hypocrite and she's like, "No, nah, I'm good. We're good. We're besties." I'm like, "No. No." <laughs> it's like suddenly not hypocrisy anymore because she told the truth about it. Yeah. Eventually. Yeah. I think that's exactly what they're going for and yeah, like, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I do not like Felice anymore because she came clean about this. Because I still yeah. think there's, like, a little bit of a lie in there and she can't help herself. Right. But at the same time, like, I can really appreciate, like, it seems like Donna is just so emotionally mature yeah. that these things can come out and she can, like, see that the reason her mother did all these things is because of how hurt she was in the past and presumably like didn't want that to affect Donna's life. Well, and that's the thing is like, this isn't about Felice. This is about how mature Donna is. This is how much better of a person Donna is than me. I would be holding on to that for a long time. I'd be like, girl, what? I'm 20, almost 21 years old. And you've been treating me like this my entire life because you just weren't mature enough to tell me what happened. You didn't think I could handle that. Like, you couldn't trust me? Oh, and, like, 
Yeah, think of the emotional effect that it could have had to be like, look, this is what happened to me when I had sex. Right. And like, I don't want you to go through that pain versus like, God will hate you for life, for Mm -hmm. all of eternity Mm -hmm. if you do it. Like, there's just, there's a different level of what is happening here. Well, and there's a larger conversation about like sex education and things like that, obviously. But it's like that could have been a great opportunity for Felice to preach about safe sex rather than just don't do it. You know, like I had a miscarriage. It was traumatizing. So please use protection. Like that, that, mm, it's just, I know it's the 90s. Yeah. It still doesn't happen today. I was going to say like- (laughs) I was still given shame-based sex education in the 2000s. Exactly. But that's neither here nor there. Donna is a wonderful, emotionally mature human being. And then she gets on the phone with Joe later, who says that he watched her make the Rose Court on TV, which is like the most supportive boyfriend thing I have ever heard. Yeah, he's like, dude, why didn't you tell me? I'm just really happy for you. I know. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And then he says something about, like, keeping the faith and how he's a believer. And so, like, I am waiting for the day that he's, like, I don't want to have sex before marriage either. Do you think it's going to be, like, if that happens, do you think Donna's going to be the one to, like – I mean, think about it. There's literally, like, a Taylor Tomlinson sketch where she – in her Netflix special is hilarious. I haven't watched the second one yet. But she says, like, the second you tell me, like, you want to wait – or like, I'm not going to pressure you into having sex. She she goes, Charlie, you've won. Like, <laughs> it's so funny. But she's just like, it opens up the floodgates because the second they tell you, like, they're not really in it for this. They're in it for you. You're like, okay, now I want, let's get it on right now. Yeah. And now you're just like getting those warm feelings down south. And you're just like, tell me more. Say it again. Yeah, exactly. So do we think Donna is going to get those nice warm and fuzzies and want to jump Joe? I think so. I think I think this is going to be her like quote unquote crisis of faith. Like I don't mm. think it's going to be that her mom came clean about it. I think it's going to be that like Joe agrees with her and now she's like, oh, now I know how this feels. Like, yeah. Should we do it? Because <laughs> oh, I mean, truly every boy before him has made her feel like garbage about sex. So yes. like having one not make her feel like garbage about being a virgin, I really feel like she's going to get those feelings. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, I gotta be like, I was really sus of Joe for a while, but he is growing on me. Yeah. Like, you know, he mentions that like he thinks they're going to formally press charges against him. And so Donna's like, I'm going to talk to your lawyer. Like I will tell him what happened. I'll give him my version of the story. I can do it tomorrow morning as long as I can do my rose court thing in the afternoon mm-hmm. and true to her word the next morning she's at the lawyer's office you know we don't see her telling him the story but we see him telling her that if Joe is found guilty he could be in jail for up to six months which is wild I mean I guess that's just how the justice system works but they do his the, the lawyer does think they have a case because of self-defense and and not just self-defense, but defense of Donna, right? And a defense against a an abusive person. Yeah, and you know, not to be real negative, but we've seen what happens when college athletes go to court. Mm. Mm-hmm. No, it's true. Uh, but 
the lawyer does warn Donnie. He's like, this is amazing. You know, I do think we have a case. And I need to warn you that by using you as part of the defense, it means everyone is going to know what happened to you. And I want you to be prepared for that. Yeah. And I appreciate the warning, right? Because this yeah. ultimately gives Donna the power to say yes or no, like she'll continue moving forward or no, she doesn't want that out. But it is kind of a situation of where if it is if it is going to be out, she probably needs to get ahead of it and tell some more people because she just hasn't told her friends. And well, I mean, Claire knows and Kelly knows and things like that, but she doesn't they don't know about the Joe situation and especially the yeah. parent like Dr. and Mrs. Martin don't. Yeah. I think it's very important that Dr. and Mrs. Martin don't. And Donna very specifically says, like, I'm going to tell my parents first. They need yes. to know before it, you know, comes out in court. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, if he's the quarterback of the local college, like, there is a good chance that Dr. Martin could read about this in the paper. Yep. And, like, that's how he finds out. And that's Donna would rather die. Oh, for sure. And this is just such a personal thing that, yeah, it just needs to be handled personally and, and mm-hmm. delicately. Um, but then the most frustrating thing, well, maybe not the most frustrating thing, but a very frustrating thing happens because we see Donna and Lisa chatting at the Rose Court. Um, and yeah, here comes Ray, because like we said, he can just call someone and get the schedule just public record, I guess. But I think the performer of the week or just the character of the week should probably be Lisa because yes. Donna's like, I'll catch up with you later. Like, I'll see you later. And she's like, um, no, no, no. I am staying right here. I'm going to wait for you until you're done. And I'm like, yes, amazing, right? brilliant. Brava, brava. <laughs> and like leading up to this, she's even like, I wish I could get lunch, but I have to go to work. And then Ray shows up and she's like, uh, work can wait. Yes, exactly. I love her so much. Like, you know, Mary, like use exclamation points. I've started using the the little heart emojis every (laughs) time, like someone does something I like. I'm like, oh my God, Lisa. (laughs) She's the MVP of this episode. That's for sure. And the least valuable player, the worst player of Mm. the week is Ray because he shows up and is like, I gave you fair warning and basically says, like, if you break up with him and come back to me, I will not press charges against your boyfriend. Which, like, I'm sorry, mister. I'm in therapy two times a week. How do you not see the manipulation? Yeah. And, like, that nothing about that would be genuine. Like, this is not love. Like, even if she did do that to get him to not press charges, she still wouldn't be – she still wouldn't have feelings for you, Ray. So how do you not understand that this is not – this is not how you do things? Right? Like there's – like something is misfiring in his brain or something because like I don't understand how he can see their relationship and think it was actually as good as he thinks it was and that it could go back to being anything like – Mm-hmm. When he makes that comment about missing her friends, I think it was last episode. I was like, yeah. what is happening in your brain? Like, right. you have literally rewritten history here, and now you're just yep. being manipulative and scary. Exactly. And he does the whole, like, okay, well, I'll see you in court, like, nonsense. I just thought of something. Where the hell is Luann, and what does she think about what's happening? 
We have I, not seen her in a hot minute. And if she, I feel like if she knew this, she would, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what she would do, but right. I feel like she would do some drastic measures because like this has happened to her. But at the same time, like his dad left her, like she didn't leave him. So mm-hmm. like, you know, she may have understood that what he did was wrong, but like she may still have that part of her brain that's like, Donna is the best thing that happened to my son and my Mm. son deserves good things. That's a fair point. Yeah. I would be very interested to see what Luann is up to right now. And I honestly, I almost kind of hope this goes to court so that we see her again. I agree. I haven't thought about her in a minute. Thank you for bringing her up. It took for like me just like a little delay to be like, who's Luann? (laughs) (laughs) Um, another thing about Ray, and I can't remember, like, I don't know if my brain is playing tricks on me, but, like, the first time he tried to guilt Donna about Joe football tackling him into pumpkins on Halloween, <laughs> like, he had a sling. And then, like, I feel like we saw him again without anything on his arms to indicate that he's been injured. But now, like, again, he has a fucking cast or like brace or whatever on his arm and I'm just like okay like you're playing this up I'm pretty sure like you're not that injured but at the same time you're gonna go to court and be like this is my guitar hand and he Mm -hmm. broke it yep do you think they're gonna do the thing that they do in tv shows when like someone has faked a slip and fall and hurts their neck and so they throw something at them so they have to like turn their head (laughs) I mean maybe so they throw something at him and he's supposed to like reach up and catch it. <laughs> they throw a guitar and he can't help but catch it and play it very well. I hope that's exactly what happens. Man, I told Nate about the whole Jamie Walters like character assassination ruined his like not just his acting career but his singing career like all this stuff and he was just like holy shit. He's like why did this like they allow this to happen and I was like I don't know. Right. That's the thing that gets me is I swear, like, the only spoilers I know about this is that they had intended to have some sort of, like, character redemption arc for Ray, Like, probably, honestly, for Jamie, too, because fans cannot separate the two. Mm-hmm. And, like, I just don't see anyone coming back from this. Like, yeah. it's like uh, the actor who plays Joffrey getting, like, mm. bullied. Because Mm -hmm. he was really good at playing a little butthole. (laughs) But yeah, then we see Donna seeing AK and Tiny before the football game. And obviously they're still very standoffish, like don't want to talk to her, like trying Mm -hmm. to get her to leave, all that stuff. But she kind of explains like, hey, like don't be mad at Joe. He wasn't partying. Like the reason he was out was because he was protecting me from an abusive boyfriend. She, This is like the first time I think we've heard her besides to like the friends say I have an, or had an abusive boyfriend and Mm -hmm. kudos to AK and tiny for immediately being like, you shouldn't go through that. Like, yeah, like I'm sorry. Like they immediately like kind of like recognize the severity of this and are like, Oh shit. Sorry. Yeah. Which I really appreciate. Cause yeah, like, the show could have gone in any number of directions of them like refusing to talk to her before the game because it could jinx them or like, Mm -hmm. you know, not believing her or whatever. But they immediately, no questions asked. They believe what she says. 
and like they're on her side. Yep. And then the game is happening and Donna has her parents over to the beach apartment to watch it. I I understand story-wise why she was like, can we just like mute the game for a second so we can talk? But this feels like a much more serious conversation than to like, oh, they're down 14. Let's take a, you know, pee break and have a very serious conversation. Mm -hmm. But she tells them like, look, this is why Joe isn't playing in the game today. And you need to know that what happened with me and Ray was abusive. And I don't want to go into details, but he hurt me. And And, yeah, because Felice is in like, you didn't fall down those stairs in Palm Springs, did you? Like she finally kind of puts it together in her mm -hmm. head and realizes that her daughter was being beat on. Yeah. I honestly loved her parents' reactions. Like her dad, the second she says it, he gets up from the chair to sit on the couch with her and like hold her hand. And then Mm -hmm. her mom you know, Felice is like, oh, my God, I can't believe how I acted in Palm Springs talking about how much he loves you. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it really sucks that she was, like, beating herself up over it. But at the same time, like, yeah, I can understand why you feel bad about this. And, like, I just love how immediately everyone wants to, like, protect Donna and help her. And they're like, we are going to do everything we can to make sure that this doesn't happen to you again and that Joe doesn't go down for protecting you. Yeah. And I also think – that there was some very good writing in this scene as well for them to pretty accurately portray a level of shock, you mm-hmm. know, like an initial shock. Cause even Dr. Martin was like, God, he was just, he was so nice on the boat this summer, you know, yeah. like he was so helpful. He was so good. And so I think it's very real to have that kind of like, well, you think, you know, a person kind of yeah. shock. And then to be like, immediately believing their daughter, hating what happened, and they're like, we're going to do whatever we can to help you through this. You know, we'll stand by Joe. We're going to stand by you. We're going to do what we can to protect you. Yeah. No, I I love that they take the time to let people process their feelings. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they still have to get it in that like 42-minute runtime, but they give everyone this opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. I – Honestly, I really like how this has been handled so far, and I think that's what makes me really nervous about, like, hearings and arraignments in court and all that kind of stuff because mm-hmm. I feel like at some point, especially with the lawyer's warning, that people are going to start to doubt Donna or blame her or, you know, whatever, and we're going to have to sit through that after we've just sat through all of her friends and family being so supportive. Agreed. Yep. It, it makes me nervous. Almost like Val's story makes me feel. Because, <laughs> man, it's a, it's a doozy. Mary, what do you got? Jonesy reappears like, hey, Val, remember that time I totally didn't have to save you and Dylan in Mexico, but I did? I need you to put on this leather so I can catch a man paying for sex. Even though Valerie is uncomfortable enough with the situation to lie to David about it, she goes through with it, if only to be out of Jonesy's debt. Unfortunately, Jonesy's Mark catches wind of the scheme and entraps them into arrest for soliciting sex. More fortunately, Jonesy is able to have the charges dropped, but he defo won't pay for Val for her services. David helps get Val out of jail, and she explains that he's the only person she can let see her vulnerable. They bang. 
I have lots of thoughts. I have so many thoughts. This was a roller coaster. Yeah. It's not surprising how it starts, right? Just Jonesy just like showing up in the dark at the pee pad. But it was just like you said, like roller coastery enough to be like, why? What? What? What is happening and why? So when he first shows up in the pee pad was when I texted y'all and I was like, I just started (laughs) this. I cannot wait for you to see it because I knew it was going to be something like just bonkers. Yeah. But then I ended up hating every single second of it because it really showed that like Jonesy is skeezy. Yes. Like he is a slime ball. Like, you know, Val asks him if he's heard about what happened with Dylan. He's like, yeah, I totally heard. I, you know. I could help you find him if you want, but really I need you to do something for me because I saved your life and you owe me. Also, side note, sir, you're telling me the FBI knows what happened with Dylan and is not stepping in. And is talking about it to randoms. Yeah. So, because Dylan didn't want Brandon to go to the police and he didn't want to go to the police himself, but somehow it escalated all the way up to the FBI and you're telling me Christine Pettit is just... Sitting on her hands? Yeah, apparently so. Like, no, I don't love that. Like, I don't either. I'm fine with Jonesy hearing through the grapevine. I'm not fine with the FBI knowing about it and not doing anything. Yeah, and like, how much do they know? Did they know that someone tried to put a hit on Dylan and didn't step in to save someone's life? Like, I don't. Yeah. It felt like such a throwaway and like, it, it was to get around Val having to explain to Jonesy what happened, but that could have just happened in off screensville. So much right. of the rest of this episode happened off screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But and so we like immediately get these gross comments as we always do from Jonesy about mm-hmm. how Val looks and basically gives her no details on what she's about to step into, but just says, I need you because you owe me. So are you in? Yeah. And like She feels like she doesn't have a choice, and he says he's going to send her a very tasteful wardrobe, which we then get a voiceover reminding us that it's supposed to be a tasteful wardrobe when it gets delivered to the Walsh house later, and it is all leather and plastic and tight and just a a, a corset with a push-up. Like, Mm -hmm. it is pretty gross. Yep. And so clearly she's like told to dress in this outfit and then do her hair and makeup to appear as though she's a sex worker which like man they really overdid like putting the fake beauty mark on her changing her Mm -hmm. hairstyle like it was a lot and I think it was like kind of doing it to uh kind of talk shit about sex workers right it was it was pretty gross and then It gets worse because when they finally get to the part where Val is supposed to be walking up and down the street waiting to pick up a John, Jonesy pulls out a fake handicap sticker. Yeah. What was that about? I don't know, but as someone with handicapped people in my family, I was pretty furious. Yeah. And he's supposed to be, like, a law person. Like, he's they just really dug into scumbag Jonesy this episode and the idea that she is supposed to literally get picked up by someone soliciting for sex and get in the car with him and go somewhere 
that's dangerous. You do not send someone to a secondary location, especially when they are impersonating someone of a very dangerous profession. And I think they're what they're trying to do as well is show that Val I think they're trying to show that Val is either turning a corner or showing some growth or maturing or something because she's literally like, I'm you want me to get in the car with him? Like, no, I'm not doing that. Even when Jonesy's like, you know, the driver's with us, the when you get to the second location, there's gonna be a doorman or or a bodyguard or, or somebody there, like whatever he says photographer that's what it was and i'm like but shit can hit the fan at literally any point in time and the fact that val is like aware enough to understand this and still is like no i don't want to do this i think they're trying to show and just kind of going back to the whole like overdone hair and makeup and, and and potentially trying to like shame the sex work industry i also wonder if they're trying to make us disconnect the way she looks to our valerie like, so that we don't think Val is on board with this. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I do think they've gone very far out of their way to make it look like she doesn't want to do this. I mean, she makes a comment that she's not the same girl as she was in Mexico. Like, she clearly feels shame about being forced into doing this. She's uncomfortable. And, like, I, I really feel for her. And I was honestly, like, on edge for a lot of this because – you know, despite Jonesy saying, oh, there's going to be a driver who's with us, there's a photographer, this, this, he tries to, like, make Val, Val feel for the woman who hired him because he says this guy is a wife beater. Yeah. And I was like, but then you're putting Val in the car with an abusive man. Exactly. Like, like you're literally endangering her because you can't get him by whatever means you've already tried. Yeah. And, like... I don't understand why he had to find Val and make her do this rather than, like, find someone who actually works in this industry and may have some idea how to possibly, potentially, maybe take care of herself. 100%. Versus, like, some random from Beverly Hills. Mm -hmm. Like, that is extra dangerous for her. She doesn't know what she's doing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the guy doesn't show up this first night. Val tries to call it a night. And Jonesy's like, no, you owe me. You have to come back tomorrow. And she's like, no, like, I'm not, like, she keeps saying no at every turn, but is, like, in a way blackmailed into this. Yeah, and he's, like, keeping her out until all hours of the night. She doesn't get home until after 1.30. Mm -hmm. Like, David makes this comment. He stopped trying to call at 1.30, and they were, like, David was over working on the Condor heist thing, and they end up getting in this whole argument because David doesn't understand why she was out all night, why she won't tell him about it. And then he asks if a guy was involved and she won't say no. And this is an interesting argument because like on the one hand, if this were my relationship and I'm David, I also would be like, what the fuck is going on? Like, why won't mm -hmm. you tell me what's going on? Like, so I get to a degree David getting upset because she won't be honest with him but at the same time i also understand that this is not david's business yeah they're not serious serious right now so she has no obligation to tell him and i get it from the shame part of it like she does not want to be doing this so she just wants to do it get it over with move on yeah she doesn't want david to see her 
in this light of like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm helping scam a guy by pretending to be a sex worker at night. Exactly. And what makes matters worse is that then David just like escalates the situation and then holds over the fact that they have not had sex yet. So she, he, cause like he finds the outfit that she's had to wear on the bed when she gets up to go take a shower or like just walk away from the situation. And he immediately goes to worst case scenario and just like holds sex over her and tells him that she, he can't be patient anymore, which is so childish. And he called and she calls him a child. Which good for her. Like, yeah. Get over yourself, David. That's but- why, like, at like for so many good conversations, and I understand, like, this is part of human behavior. Like, when people feel threatened or when people feel like they are being lied to or held secrets from, like, like things like that, I understand David, like, reacting in a very protective manner. Like, I always go back when I think about this stuff, I always go back to Ted Lasso and Nate's behavior in that show and how, like, immediately if he thinks he's being threatened, he reacts coldly and, like, harshly, right? So I can understand David acting rashly. I just still, like, makes me hurt because I understand Val is a, like, she's been sexually harassed. She has wanted to do things on her own terms. She has been free about her body in the past, and she just literally wants to do things on her terms. And so even though it's a human reaction by David, it still just sucks for what it is. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing, the whole fight with David ends up sitting in Val's mind for a while, and I think it's, you know, partially because of how David was acting. And she comments to Jonesy. She's like, look, I don't want to do this anymore. I might have just lost my boyfriend. He might have broken up with me over this, which mm-hmm. I know that sucks, but part of me is like, good, if he's going to break up with you because you didn't tell him where you were for a night when it's none of his business, and then he shames you for not having sex with him, maybe you shouldn't be together. Exactly. Yeah, and so because all of this, like, Val's feeling very emotional at this point. She already doesn't want to do all this. They're, the fact that she's still out there is annoying. And so finally, they see the white limo show up, which is the whole point to the whole thing. And Jonesy like runs to it. I'm like, what is your role in this whole situation? I don't understand. But like he runs up to the limo, basically trying to solicit Val to this guy. I'm like, what? what is this? He shoes the other sex worker. He's like, get out of here. This one's mine. Yeah, like, who are you, her pimp? Like, anyway, and so because of all this, and like Mary said in her synopsis, they, like, the Mark gets the jump on them, basically has cops waiting for them, and Josie basically gets him and Val arrested for what they've been doing. Yeah, which, like, freaks Val out. Rightfully so, because Mm -hmm. she's being arrested for solicitation. Which she is not doing and, and, like, never wanted to do. And, oh, it is a whole mess. Yeah. And so she ends up getting to the police station downtown and calls David. He's her one phone call. He's, like, still really kind of upset with her. But then she tells him. She's very honest. She's like, look, I got arrested for prostitution. Can you get $1,000 and get me out? And to his credit, he comes and does it. Right. And we've seen David... I wouldn't necessarily call it white knighting, but we've seen him go to the rescue for people that he cares about because he's done that with um, his mom 
you know, his, he's now done that with Belle. He did it with Donna when, you know, Ray first abused her when they were in Portland. Like, David can be a good protector or at least coming to help. I just, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think it's white knighting. Because he's being asked to do it. <laughs> yeah, and I don't think you get to call it white knighting when you yelled at her and shamed her. Like, exactly. 12 hours ago. Yeah. Like, and, like, once he bails her out... It's like he's still a little bit short with her, but then when they go to sit down, all of a sudden he gets, like, introspective, I guess, because he's like, you could have called anyone. Why did you call me? I'm like, you're dating? And, like, as soon as he said that, I was like, right, she could have called Brandon. Yeah. Sure. And honestly, if Dylan was in town, she might have called Dylan. Let's let's be real here. Yeah, because at least he knows all of the drama with Jonesy in the first place. Yeah. And... Who's more likely to get $1,000 the drop of a hat? True. True. But this is about when Jonesy comes out and he says he got all the charges dropped. Everything's fine. However, because of the way it all went down, Val's not getting paid. Yep. Which is so, so bad. So bad. He makes me so mad. And It makes my we skin have crawl. The whole – like, honestly – this whole storyline makes my skin crawl and I never stopped feeling uncomfortable because like I presumably we have a bit of a time jump. We don't know how long she was in jail or in holding or, you know, whatever, but we get to the Walsh's house. It's like clearly daytime and Val and David are like freshly showered, which I'm not kidding. I thought they had already had sex at this point and I was mm-hmm. furious. Mm-hmm. Same. And first, like, because they're freshly showered, and then he says he doesn't care about what happened the night before. And I was like, oh, because you banged it out, you had sex, and therefore you don't care about your relationship problems. Like, I was ready to go on a tirade. But I guess they didn't and showered separately. But it's not much better. No, it's not. Because, like, literally, I wrote down, I was like, David hasn't asked her anything about all that happened and says he doesn't really care anymore. And so I guess the reward for him not caring anymore is sex. Which, like, Val was just traumatized. I know, again. She was just arrested for sex work and, you know, had to do all this stuff for the last two nights. But because David's not lecturing her, she's going to have sex with him? And then... Yeah, I really feel like they should have talked it out first. And then it was very lingering when she, like, (laughs) stands up and drops her clothes. And then they just make out. I didn't clock it, but I was like, this is too long. It was just – I understand what they were trying to do. They are trying to build it up to, like, make it some, like, no pun intended, climactic moment. But, like (laughs) – I was just like, uh, I'm just going to look at my notes. Like, I'm just going to look while I type. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, sometimes I'm like, oh, yeah, like, let's watch this steamy scene. But I'm like, and look down and look down. And, <laughs> and nope, it's still, still going down. Yeah. Yeah. It was like typing. Val is really hot. <laughs> oh, oh, is it still going? <laughs> <laughs> Which I guess like. And this is kind of where my whole point earlier comes full circle because when they did her makeup and her hair when she was with Jonesy and now seeing her completely like bare, like not just her body, but like no makeup on, her hair is still wet. I'm like, they're clearly trying to separate Valerie from 
Jonesy's image of Valerie and also like what she had to do with Jonesy. Yep. Completely agree. The only thing I liked about Valerie's situation was they kept showing her little flower tattoo. <laughs> I was like, continuity matters. <laughs> <laughs> so cute. Mm-hmm. So cute. Yeah, that's probably the only highlight of the yes. Val storyline. Yes. Uh, so before I start guessing, do you have a quote of the week? I do. Okay. All right. So first I have Claire. And by the way, it's foyer. <laughs> and then uh, the only other one I have, which like I don't really like the context of it, but it's when David asks uh, Val like that next morning about like what guy she's been with. And he literally says, what guy? And she goes, are you going to get me juice or not? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like when he first comes in, he's like, you want some juice? You look wasted. And I'm like, juice? Like what? Like a Capri Sun? <laughs> and then later she was like, where's my juice? <laughs> yeah, she was like, I'm sorry. I was promised juice, not getting yelled at. Yeah. Yeah, that's all I got. Okay. I literally wrote down no quotes, but for some reason wrote down all of the names of the girls who got chosen to be Rose Court <laughs> people. And I don't know why, just... They, they're they like, there's only seven people. And then they proceed to say six names. Oh, and man. now I'm just like, okay, hang on a second. Like, you, you announced the first person and then went, oh, by the way, we only pick seven. Here's the rest of them. Oh, man. I didn't even clock that. I love that. I didn't either. Wow. But yeah, no, I don't have a, I don't have a guess. <laughs> okay. Well, those quotes you offered me were very good. But my quote of the week was by David Silver. As he and Val were sitting waiting for Jonesy to come out, Jonesy comes out and David just goes, who's this clown? <laughs> and I'm like, fair. Yep. yep. He is a clown. That, that's uh, accurate. That's about right. Yeah. <laughs> also, Nate says, who's this clown and all this stuff all the time. So... I just love the use like calling somebody a clown. I don't know why. No, as soon as you said it, I was like, that does sound like something Nate would say. Yeah, literally, like he's done that where he's like, who's this clown? <laughs> yeah, I can hear Starts it in my head. Mm-hmm. Okay, Mary. Funny thing about that. Um, this also is kind of my moment of the week, <laughs> kind of, because when Jonesy meets David, he squashes it. <laughs> Oh, my what? God, does he? Yes, he goes, like, he does the thing. And I was like, why are you doing that? Like, I just wrote, did he just, like, why did he just squash it? <laughs> what? <laughs> well, did I tell y'all about the thing I found that, like, squash it was, like, a huge campaign and a ton of TV shows put it into their episodes? Like, wow. Either in, like, small moments or, like, Beverly Hills did to make it a whole episode. So, like. It's weird that it shows up so much later and it also involves David, but like it kind of fits that he was just like, do you think the actor who played Jonesy was like, I really like that episode? <laughs> Maybe. God, I hope so. Oh, man, that's awesome. I can't believe I missed that. I missed it too. Oh, my gosh. Ugh. 
All right. Do you have anything else before we start looking ahead to next week? No. <laughs> nope. All right. So next week, uh, we have season six, episode 12, Breast Side Up. I'm going to really hope that's Thanksgiving. <laughs> Lord, we can only hope. <laughs> so, next week, hopefully Thanksgiving. <laughs> and until then, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at back to Podcast. You can also shoot us over an email with any of your thoughts, your questions, your comments, or concerns. Anything you want to say to us, just shoot it over to us at backtopodcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to go into your podcast app and rate, review, subscribe, share it with your friends and family. All that stuff really helps us get seen and helps us build a community It makes sure that we can give y'all a better product. And if you give us a review in Apple Podcasts, we'll give you a shout out because we would really appreciate that. So until next week, from all of us at Back to Podcast, I'm the fake Corny the Condor. I'm just still waiting on my juice. I have nothing. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> See ya. <laughs>